Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Footy Prime, the podcast, presents the Weekend Rap Show with Brendan Dunlop, James Sharman, and Craig Forrest. Such a big weekend of Premier League football all, all around. If you were stuck sick, beached on your couch, what a weekend it was to be ill. That was my fate this weekend. Joined again on this weekend recap by Craig Forrest. How are you, buddy? Better than you. Yep. Which is usually the case, but especially on this weekend. Symptom-free you are. Good on you. You have the sniffles, right? I've, I've got the hard course. It's not COVID. I went and got tested. It's not COVID. But let me tell you, when you haven't been sick in two years, a head cold, I'm a big baby. It was not fun. It was not fun. <laughs> Our guest is back, buddy. Okay. He liked us so much, James Sharman has come back to the weekend recap. I really enjoyed it last week. It's a nice way to kind of, you know, conclude the weekend, actually, to be honest with you. What did you like most about it? That we were talking about games or that Wonger was absent? Well, that's a big part of it, Wonger being absent, to be quite frank. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, yeah, I, I will try and make it whatever I can, and, and maybe it will be a regular thing. It's a fun show, let's be honest, and it's good for the old brain to kind of remind ourselves of what happened on the weekend, because it does disappear pretty quickly from these old sinews. Yeah, what did happen? <laughs> stuff. I forgot. There was a lot of stuff. Uh, I tend to forget when I sit here with Craig, if there's something I've not written in my notes, that yeah, I've totally lost it. I bet you didn't forget anything about the Villa score, did you? No, that was a, that was a, a good game. Look, uh, Steven Gerrard, manager of the year, six <laughs> six points out of six, all is well at Aston Villa. There are two, uh, we talked about Wonger's absence tonight, uh, two major absences from the weekend that got all the attention. Some guy named Ronaldo didn't start for United, and there weren't any orange balls anywhere. Winter fell in England, and no one was prepared with an orange ball. That surprised me too. I'm watching those games, that, that City game, and like it's really hard to follow the ball. It really was. And they, oh, that's why they need orange balls. So where were they? Did they not come out until like December? Russia, Russia were they? They're in the Europa League kit bag, right? West Ham have all of them. Western, <laughs> Leicester, and West Ham. Although Leicester didn't bring them out, they have all the orange balls for the Europa. All League. I could think of when I was in the, those those conditions was I hope Canada's watching this and all the mainstream media that makes this a huge deal of playing in Edmonton, you know, and how oh god, look at this. There's snow plows on the. Fit. It does happen elsewhere as well now and again. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Actually, it's a pretty big deal. There is like when you're playing, that's that's rare. That's rare. But it seems more and more now, though, doesn't it? I think the weather's changing over there, and it does seem every every couple of years there's a weekend. When, when the weather really has an effect and there is a game, you know, postponed. It seems more than ever before. Or maybe they're just wimps now and, you know, there's more rules about, you know, <laughs> spectator safety and all that bullshit. 
Whereas in the past, or whatever, just pile them in there. Who cares? They'll figure it out. This is not a stats show, but uh, <laughs> allegedly, I think statistically, they do incur more snowfall now than they did in previous years in England. It has increased. So, yeah, you do always get a, a weekend or two like this. Oftentimes, though, it's the transfer window, the closing of the transfer window, right? It snows one inch in London and they push it back 24 hours. Because the fax machines didn't work. <laughs> that, that was there was like two two years when we were doing the daily uh, at the score, and that was the case. And I just thought that was the most hilarious thing possible because I couldn't imagine that. It's funny though, Craig, when they do. I mean, listen, I haven't been there for many years now, but when a bit of snow does come, and how the whole country just shuts down, oh, look at an inch of snow well, bringing the army. Yeah. Well, at the same time, like you know. Places like Yorkshire that get hit once in a blue moon and once a year. I mean, how much are they going to invest on infrastructure and preparation? And for the next 10 years, you give you nothing happens. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's a difficult one for them because they don't get enough there to, you know, it only pulls a place down for a few days you know what i mean like it's yeah and i think the concern though is it's not so much about the players right and the pitch it's about the the, the safety in the stands that's i think the biggest concern and why they do postpone these games i think that was the case with the burnley match burnley spurs you know watching out for the fans as opposed to every, every ground's got underground heating now you don't get frozen pitches in the premier league i don't think do you can't remember last no, time. I, I don't think. I think they have to have underground heating. Yeah, yeah. it's a requirement yeah. that every yeah every club that comes up. And in fact, I think it was Burnley maybe that did not have that. Burnley let lead the leads the football league in snowed off matches. Do they when, really? they when they won promotion? I think they tried to get away with it the first time and not doing it because um, they might have had a, a, a snowed out game early on. But yeah, that the, I believe Burnley is the reason for the rule. Is that something they? Is that something they, they brag about? And it's in their club museum mm-hmm. that we have a record. We have more snow outs than any other club. I've never been to Burnley, but they don't have much else. To yeah, you haven't about. been to the Burnley Museum, haven't you? Oh, you're missing out, B. No. <laughs> have you been to the... You haven't been to the Burnley Museum. <laughs> you think Charmin is a real like student of the game, a real, real geek of the game oh, like he, that? He doesn't think that for a second. No. <laughs> I've been to the Football Museum in Manchester, which is actually quite nice. They've done it up a bit like the Hockey Hall of Fame. In Manchester, like football overall, just generic football, or specifically to the United or, or City? It, it, no, it's it's generic football. But well, I, actually, I was thinking, well, is it the Football Association Hall of Fame or the Football Hall of Fame? And I don't remember. I think I think it was all football. Hall of Fame? No, it's it. I described it as a Hall of Fame. It's called the okay. Football Museum, but it looks like the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's done up kind of that way. There's installations and interactive things, and it's you know it's done up in a gallery the same way anyone who's been to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Can experience because they just started the Hall of Fame, right, or whatever they want to call it, with the Premier League, and they're you know inviting certain players and the usual suspects. The last year or so, haven't they? Was is it the Hall yeah. of Fame? Is that what they're calling it? I forget now. Yeah, yeah, it they is, just right? created that. I believe so. Yeah. When's your induction, Craig? I don't know. I haven't had the call yet. You should be. You have one of the thirteen foreigners in that opening day of the Premier League. You yeah, should that be. That could get me in. Yeah. Or the nine nil. <laughs> your your agent screwed up because you weren't involved in that documentary on amazon where they went through the first few days of the of the premier league the first season was it called fever pitch we yeah, said we were gonna yeah. sit down with wonger and film wonger watching it i still think we should do that we should do that be really great because imagine the questions that arise from that from wonger be like ridiculous <laughs> it would be amazing you know the whole thing there's no, there's no stupid questions that's not true because there would be a lot of stupid questions 
No. Here, here we are, seven minutes into our weekend recap show, and we've spoken about <laughs> infrastructure of towns that don't invest. Uh, you know what the city of Toronto does in snow removal, which is fifty million dollars. If you're wondering, so if in a, a proper city that's prepared for snow, you could buy a Premier League striker every year with what they spend on snow removal. And get another great stat. You won't be able to watch him because there's too much snow. <laughs> exactly. I Out there somewhere is a fifty million dollar striker running around the field. No, you can't see him. Too much snow. Well, who knows. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, I mean, Canada's national team, I mean, I, the issue, I believe, at BMO isn't so much. I think it was potential safety, van safety, as well as the the pitch has been basically put to mm-hmm. sleep. And even with the under-soil heating, there's only so much they can do in those conditions, right? Everyone talks about that final. I, I, I think I've said this to both of you, but I don't think I've said this when we're recording on air. Everyone talks about that 2017 final as being the coldest match they've been to or a horrible, you know, uh, game of football because of the conditions. I was at the coldest match ever at BMO Field. No one talks about this because it was in like the sixth round of the CONCACAF Champions League, whatever it was. They, I think they were in the quarters of the last 16 and they lost to some Panamanian side. It was the, it was Valentine's Day or the day after Valentine's Day and it was minus 16 degrees. It was wow. horrendous. That's and the pitch good. was a sandbox. Because they had to pour so much sand on the pitch to prevent it from freezing or, or whatever they'd done. Every time Mavinga ran, he kicked up sand for 30 yards. Tell you what, I saw a lot of, uh, not a lot, but from the games today and this weekend, or today, I guess, um, short sleeves and no gloves, far more than we saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago, by the way. So just putting that out of there. So the Premier League is a harder group now. Yeah, they're proper players. hard. So Nails. as much as we want to talk about this, the Gen Z and this next generation being soft, what you're saying as well, not all of them. Look at these tough guys that show up with short sleeves and no gloves. There are some. Right. Steve Sidwell wasn't the last one. There's there's others out there. Hard to take a throw in, though. Quickly. Uh, Actually, uh, your boy Mikel Antonio took his gloves off and got <laughs> yelled at for taking his gloves off to clean the ball in that game uh, when they were pushing on at the end there. He got yelled at? By who? By the officiating crew for slowing the game down. They were losing, though, so it was like... Didn't make any sense. I think that's what he said. He was just, he took his gloves off and he was trying his hardest to, to get the ball dry so he could throw it in. And he was, and it was a great long throw into the box. Uh, but yeah, he was getting, he was getting uh, chirped at to hurry it up. Hey, that Lanzini goal, by the way. My God. Ooh, what a beauty, right? And, and I mean, that was amazing. They, they left it too late, of course. And the decline has begun with Craig's hammers. But regardless, that was a great goal. Yeah. You know what? I want to be the only podcast in the world that leads with that game. But let's, <laughs> we're doing this now. Man, Man City 2, West Ham 1. Lanzini spoiling Ederson's clean sheet with one of the one of the best goals of the weekend, one of the goals of the month for sure. And uh, and I think, yeah, leaving some people the question whether this magical ride is over. So, uh, Craig, do tell your faithful. Is it over? What? The Hammers run? I mean, they can't kick it with no. the big teams, clearly. So I guess they're not a top four. Well, in fairness, they did beat Liverpool. Well, I mean, let's be honest. To kick it with the big teams is a tough tough thing to do and they're they were at least in the game they're always in it they played some decent stuff early on but yeah it's tough i mean man city are a fantastic football team you look at chelsea fantastic they are but they, they beat liverpool right just uh what a couple of weeks three weeks ago now i guess before the break yeah right? but you know, so they, they have got that pedigree they can beat the big guys they can but if he, that game could have gone the other way too i just think look at the table now right i, th- I think west west ham does separate itself a little bit i think from what I've seen so far from performances, um, mm-hmm. I, I think they are, you know, they're, they're better than the chasing pack. I mean, I don't think they're going to finish in, in a, the top four. I don't think. I think Arsenal might 
you know, catch them. Although so far, you know, pr- prove otherwise. But you know, they're they're better than the Brightons, the Leicesters, the Palaces, right? Those mid-table teams. So I think West Ham is going to separate itself in the race for European football at some point. Wolves might surprise us too. They've been very mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, I think West Ham, 13 games, Craig, you tell us. I mean, 13 games, you know what you are, right? Pretty much. Um, you know, if, if you've competed well for 13 games, chances are you're going to keep competing pretty well. Especially with the uh, this Europa Thursday-Sunday situation that can be a little off-putting. Never lay a plan on Sundays all the time. That's a good point because usually, usually that's a big story, isn't it? Like, oh well, you know, they're in Europe for the first time in a while, and that's really difficult that Thursday Sunday. But it hasn't bothered West Ham at all so far. No, it hasn't seemed to. It bothered most Premier League fans though that uh, did, didn't plan a whole Sunday or or plan to be able to watch four nine a.m. kickoffs on a Sunday though. <laughs> it was because of Leicester and West Ham in the Europa League, right? They moved those fixtures to Sunday. I like that. I don't mind watching it on a Sunday. Hey, it league. makes it easier. I think splitting the games five and five or whatever it is, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit easier, you know, than having to keep my eyes on, you know, seven games at a time on a Saturday. Yeah, but if you think of that, you've got six games at 10 a.m. It's you're not really paying attention to a lot of them, right? There's, not there's as much. One not. you've got on the main, maybe you got one on the second monitor. I don't know. I had the 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 three games on in the screen on the on the split on Apple TV. On the uh, Premier League service provider that we have in this country, you can multi-screen it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I like that. It, it is a lot if you're trying to run four games, you're not paying attention to the four of them, but at least it's up. But at six games, it's too much. I watched Match of the Day, and, and it's easier again to watch the fewer games, right? Again, a little bit more depth, not covering so many games, right? So, yeah, um, Paul Merson and Alan Shearer love it because they only have to t- like watch the game. For sure. <laughs> no, I, you know, it was it was Jermaine Genus and, uh, and and Michael Richards with, with with Gary Lineker yesterday. Really, and and I think they're both fantastic. I love them so much. Jermaine Genus, by the way, is one of those guys. He's such a slick broadcaster. He's going to be Gary Lineker. In, whenever Gary Lineker decides to hang him up, it's going to be Jermaine Genus walking into that job. I think so, too. Because he's so good. You know, he's a slick midfielder. I always liked him as a player. So did I. Too injury prone, right? But he's even slicker as a broadcaster. It's really good. Not as slick as Craig, you know. I mean, what? listen, you got, you got those great athletes who become <laughs> great broadcasters. There's Craig at the top of the, the tree, so to speak. But Jermaine Genus, <laughs> as a young prodigy, is coming close to that. <laughs> I wish it was the same like on our side, that as a good broadcaster, I could be an average footballer. That would <laughs> be, that, yeah. I would just settle Reverse for that. If, if only I could just get that, right? <laughs> um, but uh, Man City, would you, would you say perhaps uh, an average performance from Man City against West Ham? I mean, they controlled the game. Maybe the scoreline flatters yeah. West Ham like a little bit there. But if not for that Fernandinho yeah. insurance marker, we'd be, we'd be talking about disaster for City. They didn't kill it off. Exactly. No, they got the job done just about, you know, they haven't always played spectacularly, but most of the time they do. Like you said, West Ham's no no pushovers. You know, Riyad Mahrez, you know, he, he was the man, obviously, at Leicester that year, the best player, with respect to Jimmy Vardy, but Riyad Mahrez pulled the strings. And Conte, the three of them. Well, yeah, okay. It was okay. three-headed All right. All right, fair enough. But he was uh, the exit. He was the he big was, exit. He was the creator. He was the, you know, whatever. He he moved to Chelsea to um to City, and he became one of the stars. And I just every time I watch him play, I think, man, this is such a great footballer. He's so clever. And even in that game, you know, I think he had one great chance. He probably should have scored at. But um, overall, he just he just pulls the strings quietly. You know, it's been such a great move for him going to City, getting all the trophies without having to be the man necessarily. 
He's one of Pep's men, right? Just rotate in and out. And when he plays, he really lets you down. Yeah, as long as you're okay with being, you know, making uh, two appearances in 10 games potentially and then mm-hmm. having a run where it's the opposite. Well, I was surprised to see Sterling actually on the pitch for as long as he was. Not that he had a poor game, but just that he it seemed like he'd fallen kind of out of favor and then he wasn't going to get that consistent run. There's really only, you know, two or three guys on that team that walk in when they're healthy. It's Ruben Diaz, Ederson, and Ilke Gundogan. The rest of them have to earn it, and, and it's uh, sometimes it's not a slip-up of their own, and they're out of the team. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that you're, when you're on 250 grand a week, usually Eason's <laughs> softens up a little it helps bit. Helps ego when you're not playing. You know, if you weren't making that much and you're forcing to go, you know, I, I want to go somewhere, I want to play, and then you might be going, you know what, this might add a few years to my career as well, mm. right? Not playing so much international football, yeah, the wage structure has leveled out a little bit there. I mean, obviously they've they've got the one of the highest wage st- structures in all of football, but it was at the time when they started to spend a lot of money that they they tiered the the change room and I think that they realized the problems that that was kind of creating. So, it was Nigel De Jong, he was probably the loudest one. He may have he may have had the captain's armband. <clears throat> For a bit. I, I can't remember if company was on one of those kind of grandfathered in deals where these, these guys were on like less than a hundred, 90, 70. There mm-hmm. was another regular that was in there. I can't remember if it was Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry was, was another one that was Wait. in this tier. And then you had guys like Yaya Toure and Carlos Tevez and Tevez had, was the first big star, remember? And the clause that Kia Jurbachin had put in his deal was Carlos Tevez was always going to be the highest paid player on the team. And it was something like 10 quid or like a hundred quid that, that put it over. But every time someone came yeah. in and they gave more money to, Tevez's deal went up. So I think it was Yaya that had come in on like two ninety or, or something stupid. It was it was near three. Something stupid. Now look at who's how many players are on three now in the Premier League, right? And something like that. And there was this huge rift in the change room because you had these other guys who were, you know, soldiers and and in the eleven on, you know, less than half or a third of the money. So I think that they've leveled that out and kind of balanced that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was there often a lot of wage envy in your change rooms? Not really. Did everyone know what each other no. was on, though? Because the media is not quite the same, right? But it, but it could be, it could be. Um, no, you know, not really. You have a pretty good idea, I guess. What about in Canada? Canada, when you went to Canada, dude, and he's, he's a big time Charlie from the Premier League sitting beside some guy who's <laughs> without a club. <laughs> was it ever an issue? I brought up the question with the Canadian Soccer Association about: Am I even insured? <laughs> Good question. Did they have an answer for you? No, you weren't insured. No, none of us were insured. Wow, that must have changed when you brought that up. Yeah, that changed pretty quickly. No, that, oh, Jesus Christ! You talk about a lack of professionalism. Like that would be one of the first things you would think a national body would would consider when they're bringing these guys in from overseas. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I'm surprised the clubs. I'm sorry, I'm surprised your club wouldn't make sure that you know the CSA was insuring it properly. Some junior executive from the Bayern Munich admin department is listening to this podcast right now and immediately pulling up Fonzie's paperwork to make sure that he's insured the entire time he's away with the national program. Well, do you remember? A couple, it wasn't that many years ago. There was that was a big issue with FIFA because the big chatter was like, well, there's players getting injured at the World Cup coming back. And missing games, and there should be some sort of compensation for that. And it wasn't until recent years that I think that that's uh, that's changed. 
We'll have to get Victor Montaliani mm-hmm. back on here and talk about that. Tell us what the latest is on that. But that must cost FIFA. Can you imagine what their insurance is on those players? Well, yeah. speaking of costing them a lot of money, great segue, Craig, as we get back towards the lead of the day that we've waited 20 minutes to get into. Uh, we haven't been together since the World Cup draw came out for the playoffs. The <laughs> Way to be professional, bud. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, he's freaking hilarious. It's so funny. As, uh, Craig Forrest laughs his ass off waving an Italian Puma shirt across his <laughs> Zoom box. Isn't that a beautiful isn't that a beautiful shirt? That is something else, isn't it? That should be at the World Cup. That should be at the World Cup. That Craig. should be at the World it's Cup. A, it's the most classic football show out yeah. there. Zoom and look, Blue. as a football fan, this is what I'm upset about. They both should be at the World Cup. It's a better World Cup when they're both well, there. Well, then finish top of your group. Finish top of your group. Simple. I, I mean, I, I knew that there was a possibility. First off, I still feel like I didn't understand what the pathway looked like. When they talk about these three pathways and the semifinals and this and that, I didn't know what it looked like until it was drawn. And it was like, oh, wait. It, oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty messed up. If, if it's, yeah. How, how, come, how come Wales and Scotland get that quartet and you put... You know, Italy, North Macedonia, and Turkey and Portugal together. My God. It is ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. But at the same time, these were the rules, and it's pretty simple. Win your group, you qualify. Otherwise, watch out. It's a random draw. Someone's getting fired for not warming the balls enough (laughs) to have that avoided. I mean, talk about how much money FIFA spent on insurance. How much money are they losing with Cristiano Ronaldo or the defending European champions not being at the World Cup? You know, I would I would throw a name in there if I can mention a North Macedonian player, but it, at the moment it evades me when they qualify to really upset people. I would hope that Goran Pandev is coaching at that point. There we go. Goran is, Pandev, yes. Is he still playing? Is, is He's still going to play, right? right? He's retired. That was a big deal. He retired. No, he retired at the Euros. Yeah, no, but he, surely. You'd think he'd come back. Surely. He yeah. might make a comeback. He has to if they qualify, yeah. even before these games. Well, he should come back for this game. By the way, the good news is the good news is is that Canada, by the way, which is very quiet, is as if the mainstream media don't understand Concacaf. But the fourth place team is going to meet essentially New Zealand, Oceania. That's huge. It could be Thomas Rongan's American Samoa or Tonga yeah, it could, it could or be. Fiji. But that's enormous for Canada as well. That is big. Where where is that? So it's a winner of Oceania. Where is that uh, World Cup qualifying outright stage they at right now? Matches. They haven't they haven't been able to to play it out because of COVID. But it will likely be New Zealand. It will likely be New Zealand, right? Yeah, you can pencil New Zealand, and it's going to be a neutral venue. And the reason charms that no one was on about it because who's excited for New Zealand versus Panama on a streaming service in the middle of the night? <laughs> no one. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, Canada will yeah. always already be through at that point. The top three, but it just made me feel. I mean, listen, I think Canada will be through. You know, we discussed this. You know, they won't need to worry about it. But just as a bit of a safety net. Just say, you know, the, these these horrible road games against El Salvador, Panama, Costa Rica go wrong and they end up finishing fourth. You know, I'm not dismissing New Zealand, but with respect, I love Chris Woodenall, but Canada should should be good enough to get past New Zealand. Look at you naming Kiwis. But you uh, that's the only one. But you can't name any North Macedonians. <laughs> I should have got Goran Pandev. I know there's a guy who's there one guy I should know because I covered him for freaking long enough in the Serie A. But anyway, sorry. Back to back to um, what we're doing. What we're doing. We were talking about the World <laughs> Cup as my uh, gateway to absences, and talking about the absence of Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United starting eleven against mm-hmm. Chelsea. 
Um, second time since he's returned that he's not been in United starting 11, but maybe the first big game in his life that he's not been in the starting 11 from a tactically stamp, a tactical standpoint, I would imagine, right? Well, big game from a tactical standpoint of the fact that, that this match really mattered, right? To go up against one of the title rivals. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like from, from him being, re- him being benched for tactical reasons ahead of a big game, that has to be the first yeah, time. I would say so. I, I saw Michael Carrick pre-match and the reporter was very delicate asking about him, you know, Ronaldo not being in the side and what kind of went into that decision. And Carrick had said, well, he's a professional. Like he totally understands it. We're going to see how it plays out to which the reporter insisted. So it's a tactical decision that the side is better without him in the lineup. And he just looked, he just looked at him like, I didn't say that. You said that. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Have a good match. Have a great match. Um, But I mean, I thought it was, it was pretty surprising to not see him there. And then to see how United played just waiting for Chelsea to take the game to him in that first half. That was an incredibly boring first 45 minutes. They had no intention well, of competing in that game. Look at that midfield today. Fred McTominay and Matic. Jesus Christ. You know who was smiling watching that, seeing that starting 11? Fernando Santos. Yeah, three defensive midfielders. It can be done. <laughs> he was inspired. Yeah, and Bruno Fernandes is your center forward. And your captain as well as a false nine. <laughs> Do you think... There's, there's been rumblings that it was Rangnick making these calls. And I know character denied them post-match, but you, you, you do wonder because it was so different to what we saw on, on Tuesday against Villarreal, right? It's such a different team, 11, so dramatically different. Now, did Michael Carrick just redefine himself as a coach in those five days? Or was he getting a little nod, nod from the new, the, the new man, who still isn't signed, by the way. He's assuming it's happening, right? But I wonder. I wonder, you know. He probably felt that why not make significant changes and I have nothing to lose for doing that. Put out something that he thought, obviously, or somebody else thought was going to work. Or, or, or it was Carrick saying, saying to Ronaldo, for example, you know what? I'm not going to be the man. I'm not going to be the top guy. So I'm going to bench you. You should have been benched a while back. You, know, you shouldn't have been considered you know, an automatic starter at least. And because it's not my uh, in three, three weeks from now, it w- wouldn't matter anyway. Maybe I'm leaving. Maybe I'm being fired next week. Who knows? Yeah. So I'm making a statement. It's interesting. That Carrick's not that type of guy. He's not um, like like us and just no. holds a grudge. I mean, he was young when I was with him at West Ham, but he was just never going to be that type of person that would do that. Was he like, was he at West Ham? How was he? Just a quiet young guy, or was he just a nice fellow? What was he? Just he was. Yeah, he was pretty quiet. Yeah. yeah. Just a newbie. Yeah. Finding his, I forgot that you had crossover with him. If they kept those bloody players at West Ham, Craig would be here with, with a ring on his finger. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. He would have been first inducted. Yeah. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that's a good, yeah. really good team. If you kept Rio and Defoe and Carrick, Joe Cole, Lampard, Lamps. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a team. Yeah. DeCanio knocking goals in for fun. Yep. Hartson was good. Yeah. Ayo Berkovich. Ile Berkovich was player, great, right? especially at home. Away from home. Would, oh, really? Like, Where's Ile? Absence. <laughs> yeah. We just didn't uh, get enough of those games on TV. Don, Don Hutchison, Ian Wright. Two guys that I'd love to get on the show. I've talked about with Davos Shuker, legend. All oh, right. Davos Shuker. I forgot about Davos Shuker. Yeah. Was he at West Ham when Croatia finished third in the World Cup in 98? No, no, not at that point. He, he left after he was broken, right, Craig? Wasn't it? Wasn't he, didn't he arrive with, with one knee? <laughs> One hip. One hip, was it? <laughs> Not ideal. Yeah, he moved, he, yeah, he moved like my old lab. 
Harry was like, oh, I wonder why Arsenal wanted, wanted him to go. <laughs> so that's how you guys describe Ronaldo when it comes to pressing. You say that he just moves like an old dog. Doesn't doesn't oh, doesn't no, move at no. all. Davor was Davor's nothing like Ronaldo's got lots left in him compared to Dav. Davor was amazing at finishing still, but he just was struggling to to move. But his touch and oh, he was fabulous. Fabulous player. Well, you won't find another podcast that led with West Ham and City as their lead game, and you won't find another podcast that talked about Davor Shuker more than Cristiano Ronaldo. But I was using, or, or or mistakenly compared, I was I was using the Ronaldo reference or the old dog reference to say that this narrative that you know United are a worse team because of Ronaldo. Obviously, I'm sick of it and uh, and and disagree with it, and not with the same intensity that Roy Keane and, and Jamie Carragher disagree with each other. But Sky Sports had posted a, a graphic on their Instagram, and it was essentially two stats that Chelsea had conceded 17 goals in 31 games under Thomas Tuchel, while United had conceded 19 goals in the nine games since Ronaldo returned. Ronaldo's not a fucking <laughs> central defender. And Tuchel, like... B, it's modern football, B. You defend and attack as a team. From the front. You defend from the front. <laughs> right, defend from the front. I tell you, we, we, we discussed this briefly on the podcast on, on last week. And I still want to get your why can't Ronaldo fans ever criticize him? It's gotta be hundred percent or nothing. I can criticize him. The way he's handled the whole whenever you name one time, when the way he's handled him, the whole Las Vegas thing with this woman, horrible. Horrible. <laughs> it's been awful. Come to the States and face the consequences. What did you make of the uh, the, the nice hoop earring he, he wears in the warm up? I thought he wasn't getting in the team. I thought he thought I'm not playing at all. To sit there with his with his giant earring. <laughs> I mean, was he a pirate, for Christ's sakes? Jesus, I don't mind a diamond stud go right ahead. Not my thing, but go, these hoops, these dangly things, even in, in practice, in, in warm-ups, you can get tagged. You can get that thing torn out your ear. Tell you what, if, if, I'm, if I'm, I don't know, Tom Cleverly, he's not there anymore, is he? Someone, someone that's never going to play for United, but I'll be tearing that fucker out of his ear in, in the warm-up as quickly as possible. Right now that Char- Charms looks like that guy of Beachcomber's relic. <laughs> I'm wearing a toque, <laughs> and therefore I am relic. <laughs> yeah, it's a very standard kind of like Toronto toque, but but I look at it in a, and my impression is that Charm is just you know trying to look ten or fifteen years younger than he is. No, trying. No, why why bother trying? Nice, that's a losing battle. I I bought this in Edmonton because I was so freaking cold. I had to buy buy a hat. You went to Edmonton without a hat? Yeah, I wasn't thinking. Stop it. I know. Well. <laughs> What do you want? I'm, I'm a kind of boy. Canadian. Or you always tell us, I'm Canadian, I'm Canadian, but we hear that accent and we hear your ignorance. <laughs> you hear uh, the ignorance with or without the accent. <laughs> that too. Uh, any more points then on uh, Michael Carrick's? No, I'll just say that, you know what, um, good for United for getting the point, but Chelsea were vastly superior in that match and should have won that game by a couple of goals. Man United looked like a mid-table team. Mm. Let's be honest. They didn't. They, they didn't look good at all. But they didn't want to look good, though. That's that's the point. I think that the the second half was an entertaining game because they caught Chelsea out. Jorginho's mistake, like head it, head the, head the you ball. don't see that too often from a player of his caliber, right? And he could have turned and shielded towards the keeper. I think that's the, kind of the standard practice, right? Where you know the, his defenders were in front of him, uh, he can handle it. He, he's he's fine with that. 
it was a tough ball, right? I mean, fairness to control that, but we see it all the time. Guys nowadays are so they're so technically gifted, including him. But I mean, isn't that the first rule? If you're not sure and a ball's in the air, just nut it, get rid of it. Well, that's what he. That's what he was thinking. <laughs> he didn't even move. He didn't even run back. And no. he, he was like, "They're going to score. Yeah, they're going to score." Well, and by the way, Sancho and Raf- Rashford, who's getting them? Manny and I didn't create anything, and then they the two they get that, and then. The goalkeeper mistake. He tries to play out. Yeah, that's Jesus at the end there, right? Mendy. Oh my God. It should have. Yeah. Total giveaway. Unlike him. Yeah, it would have been a totally different match. But I mean, I think the commentary team was harping on Rudiger for not having finished that chance at the end. That oh. Chelsea should have, should have won. Rudiger skied it. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, if you watch it again, it wasn't an easy finish. No. It was, it was, it was no Obamiang on Saturday. All right? right. And he was the center back. You know, I mean, Mike, it would have been an amazing... Had he finished that, it would have been, wow, what a strike. What a finish. So... No, it wouldn't have. What? A volley from... Seven yards? Seven yards? It's like Van Basten, Craig. It was Van Basten in 88, and he scored that. <laughs> what? <laughs> it would have been a good goal, though, right? A, a good goal. Goal of the weekend. Point is, is that Chelsea didn't play a great match, but in the first half, I think that when you have a team that is not interested in playing against you, it's got to be frustrating, even if you're a well-organized and talented side as Chelsea, right? United had no interest in playing against them. They were just defending and, mm-hmm. and parking the bus in a creative way where it's like a, it's an accordion bus, not a not the standard <laughs> traditional boring lower side bus. But, you know, I understand United fans being furious. But you don't want to see your team play like that. Have a go. They have the players. Why not have a go? They listen, B, but they had, they had Josie Mourinho as a manager for a couple of years. Yes, I know, and people complain about be used that. To it. Well, this is not Ferguson, and even Ferguson United. There were times, especially earlier in his reign, where they weren't this this swashbuckling team, you know, attacking down the wings. You know that that evolved into that, obviously, but they weren't always that way. And if you look at that, I don't know. You know, I heard um, who was saying it. Oh, Michael Owen was saying it. I think in the in the halftime or post game show, saying how man for man compare United to Chelsea, and okay, you, you give Chelsea the edge, but it's not a dramatic edge. There's some real talent on that United team. Agreed. But something's not clicking, obviously, whether it's the players in the wrong position. I don't know what it is. But it's not as if they're devoid of talent. They've got some massive talent on that side. Seems that way. But mind you, they've had a stack of managers starting to lose count since Alex left. No kidding. Yeah, I know. Uh, Michael Owen was hammering them in the in the pre-match show, the Premier League Productions pre-match show. He was on with Paul Scholes. And Scholes wasn't pleased either, but you could see that Michael Owen was was peeved at looking at the team um you know playing for playing scared he was ripping them for playing scared um not starting their best players and having a go at chelsea michael owen is is the most improved broadcaster he should get the most improved broadcaster award no kidding don't you think when he first started he was so gray and so boring when he first started now he's he's making paul skull seem nice (laughs) right he is it's it's really refreshing to see i really enjoy owen's commentary he's great yeah Mm -hmm. there's some there's some good ones they don't hold back. Ralph Ragnick. Let, let's finish on that, Ralph Ragnick, because uh, Sharman made the point, the suggestion that maybe he was pulling the strings, even though he's not got the official title yet. What is Manchester United doing bringing him in? Like, What's your read on that? Because the agreement supposedly is six months uh, or you know, finish the season as an interim manager, and then to have him involved two years as a consultant. And he's thought of as this great mind for having taken you know tiny teams and uh, and really carried them on and, and and built a built a structure. 
developed some amazing managers along the along the way. He's a, a real you know teacher of the game, right? There's a lot of disciples uh, in the the German coaching system that that hugely respect him. But he's never been at a team as big as United. He's never been at a team that's that's run by a marketing company and, and a, a corporation. So, what are they doing with him? It seems to me that his his reputation's been put on this pedestal in the last seventy two hours. That anyone outside, you know, the close realms of football really didn't know who this guy was. You know, I we watched Hoffenheim. Um, you know, they were great when when he and he was a father of Hoffenheim, right? And they became a really good team, playing great football. Leipzig. He's obviously a very very talented coach and the father of Gagan Press. All these all these cool catchphrases in modern football. It all kind of ticks the boxes. But where was his name? Before, like before, when they hired Ole and when they hired, you know, uh, Mourinho and they hired Van Hal, it was never like, oh, I can't believe they didn't go and get Ralph Raniak, right? It seems like his reputation has <laughs> been just given, been put on steroids the last little while. And I think it's probably a very good hire, but you know, my God, I mean, like you, you read the, the articles about it now, and now we're discovering how what a genius this guy is. I think it's a little bit disingenuous by a lot of these these these, um, these writers. I think what really boosted his reputation, though, and this may be why they think, oh, well, look, this, you know, the situation didn't work out there, and United have found themselves, what a fortunate situation that he's available and can land in their lap, even though they had to pluck him away from a sporting director job in Russia. But he was supposed to take over and have autonomy at AC Milan, remember? And they mm-hmm. had, they had, so who did they fire and put Pioli in? Was it Catuso that was there? I think it was Catuso, yeah. They'd, they'd, uh, they'd put Pioli in as an interim. Uh, Pioli didn't, didn't, really have the resume to have a team like that they'd hired Rennick uh, who was supposed to he was finishing out whatever job he was in at the time and he was going to come in as the the you know I don't know if he was officially titled sporting director but he was going to have autonomy and this was a big deal and there, there was a huge fight behind the scenes with some of the old heads Maldini and some of the other guys involved that you know they didn't want this foreign guy to come in and have so much power and then AC Milan went on a great run I think they purely got them to qualify for the Champions League they were kick. They were kicking on. They had a, an amazing finish, and they uh, so Rennick didn't come in. They kept Pioli, and they they tore up the deal. And so you had this guy that was supposed to be this this vision um, available, um, and then ended up taking uh, taking a job that you know wasn't at the same tier. So I think there was always going to be you know a big side knocking on the door. But I agree with you that it's funny how they're talking up his resume and his CV as this you know brilliant mind. When they didn't look at him before, but I also think it's they didn't look at him before because he's 63 and he's not really what they're looking for. And this is the thing is that they're trying to, you know, glamorize a situation, but this is still Manchester United and he hasn't been at this level at all. No experience with English football. And if he's only coming in as the interim, this is my thing. If he's coming in the six months of the interim. You're going to allow him to be some consultant. Is that a protection for the club to, well, he doesn't really have too much say. It's not a proper title because really he would be qualified to be a sporting director type. But what if you bring Mauricio Pochettino in? It was a completely different idea of what to do with the team and the academy and all that. It seems crazy to hire, you know, to, to hire the the big idea GM before you hire the coach. No, you're right. There could be some uh, clashing of heads, but then again, I'm sure I would say I I kind of wonder about United sometimes if they've done their homework on people. But you think they've done their homework on a point where. You know, how is uh, his work and relationships with others? And if this does happen, how are you going to be with like that, with that? How are you going to be, what would that working relationship be with A, B, C, D people? Because they're all going to have different personalities. 
I would expect that the United would do that. You, you wonder if, if they touch base through an intermediary with Poch and saying, hey, could you work with this guy? If, if he mm. is their guy this summer, I'm sure it's, if it's going to happen, it's being discussed in some regard. All right, can you work with him? And, and quite frankly, look at Poch's preferred way of playing. High press, aggressive, high energy, just like Rangnick, right? I, I bet Poch respects him enormously for what he started and created. So there's that because otherwise, you know, a six-month hire for a guy who's going to completely redefine the way they play, that's not long enough. No, of course not. Right? And they haven't got players. They haven't even got players that will do that as far as we know. I mean, maybe, they, maybe he can – listen, the young guys, the Greenwoods, the Rashfords, I think they'll do whatever they're told. And they've got the energy to, to do that, to press. I'm not sure whether Bruno or whether certainly Ronaldo. He, I'm really curious about Ronaldo. I mean, Christ, he doesn't run anymore. And he's going to be told to press on the front foot if that's what Rennick will be pushing. You know, in a short short contract, that's a big ask to d- redefine the way you play entirely. If it's a long-term hire, you're hiring this guy in a four- or five-year contract, okay, that's one thing. But they haven't done that. And like I said, the consultancy is interesting. What does that mean? You know, I, it's, it's really interesting. Put Ronaldo center back. <laughs> you know, maybe, he, he could probably do a great job there if you tell him and he buys into it. But, hey, he, he stormed off the field today without shaking hands once again, all sulky and stuff. So, yeah, there, there was a time, there was a time not that long ago, he was probably would have been the best player on every position on the field. Don't you if think? You put him at center back. You think he'd be defending as well as Virgil at a at a time at a time he would have been the best player anywhere. He was like LeBron James. You could put him any position. LeBron, he's the best. Ronaldo, the best. Do you know who Mister Versatility is now? Ashley Young. Ashley Young could play every position except goalkeeper. And I said on our show, I think, Force, were you in the tent and Sharma was away? And I said, I suspect based on Gerard and, and Ashley Young's relationship, uh, having played together in England, that I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see him in more of a midfielder role. And he's kind of got him like as a floating number 10. And he's, and he's taking big free kicks late in games, you know, taking big free kicks, matches. Yeah. yeah, I know. I've always yeah. loved Ashley Young. I think he's a great player. And he looks good, natural in that, that Villa outfit, doesn't he? He does. Well, it's because it's where he belongs. Yeah. It's, he was uh, the first interview rejection that I've had in my oh, professional journalistic nice. career. Yeah. He was uh, sat with his slides on and he was on the other side of the tape, but like 10 feet away. And I'd asked to interview him and the PR woman goes over and says, oh, this uh, gentleman from some local would like to interview. And he looks at me, he puts his slides on and goes, nah, and got up and walked away. <laughs> At BMO. <laughs> what a prick. <laughs> it's okay. I, I was, I, I was probably... I think I'm younger than him. So maybe it was that. And he just looked at the, the child and thought. Were you wearing a rubber shirt at the time? No, I was probably trying to dress like you. I think I was wearing was a blazer. Score, was that score days or Sportsnet days? This was score days. Yeah, this was mm. score days. But I, I think I was too junior at the time to to get in with my score creds. I think uh, archivist didn't count. Hey, well, was, you, you, the score credits didn't get us very far either. No, so it was my it was my <laughs> university my university newspaper actually that got me the credentials in there to. Uh, <laughs> was it really the Aston Villa <laughs> training day ahead of their uh, season one international friendly or whatever you call it? With so uh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was like you know they said, listen, listen, uh, Ashley, you've got this frat boy over there who wants to interview you, and he goes, oh, I have not got any time for this. <laughs> this is not Animal House. I don't care. <laughs> I got Gabby Agbonlahor and I got a couple of minutes with Martin O'Neill though, so I'd take that. Yeah. Overall, it was a good day. Yeah. Remember me and Jerry me and Jerry got snubbed by Freddie Freddie Adu. <laughs> really? <laughs> I wasn't happy. No, no shit. I wasn't very professional as a broad from a broadcast. 
That must be pretty early in your broadcasting. 2007 World Cup? No, it was a Gold Cup. So are you then, have you been really happy to see his, his playing career just like, you know, peter out to this, you know, nondescript blur? <laughs> well, we saw that already coming. Did you? Yeah. So maybe he knew that's what you thought, and he thought, I'm not speaking to that old guy. <laughs> well, I, you know how the, you know, the scrum type, they, they, you're behind a barrier, and they're just kind of walking through the mix zone? Yeah. Through the mix zone, picking and choosing whatever, right? I don't know who he – I think he did one or something like that, and he was the cock of the walk. And so they gave it the old, who the fuck do you think you are? You've done nothing. Do an interview, you little shit. So you said this or you thought this? Yeah, I know I said it. Jerry was like, oh, I'll leave him alone. That's amazing. <laughs> All these other American guys are looking at me. And I'm just like, well, well it's true. Isn't it? no, absolutely, it's true. Good on you, man. Who do you think you are? Come on. Good on you. You, you Yeah. that's Flex yeah. your six foot seven height and you played in the Premier League. Come speak to us, you child of America. Yes. Yeah. You and your $15 million Nike contract. Come over here. Yeah, I'm stuck behind this. Cage with all these other guys. See, that's Craig. That's that's Craig who hadn't quite accepted the fact that he's no longer playing. He's still, you know, in his mind, he's a Premier League footballer, and he's like, "Fuck, fuck, god damn it, <laughs> what happened to me?" No, it's just more the fact that I would never do like I would. I would do as many as I possibly could. Like I would try to help out. You know, uh, answer a few fucking questions. Jesus Christ, ain't that hard? <laughs> Americans, man, they 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 do love the old like big time Charlie one. Uh, a lot of them, anyway. Podcasts uh, promoting other podcasts. If you've not listened to Grant Wall's uh, Prodigy series on Freddie Adu, it's like four a four or six parter. It's very good. It's very good. good. He, yeah. he speaks with speaks yeah. with uh, our friend Thomas Rongan and quite a, and Freddie Adu. It's the it's the, the longest exclusive I think Freddie Adu has kind of given. Um, it's very well done. Somehow we went from Steven Gerrard. And Aston Villa's 2-1 win over Crystal Palace to Freddie Adu. I love that. Patrick Vieira and Gerard on the touchline. Did that make you feel old? Because it, it actually made me feel feel old. And it's strange that this is where we are now. That yeah, they're they're managers and and they've managers with experience. Not like this is their first jobs either. It's like they, you know, they're seasoned managers. I, th- I you know, you watch that and I think we're gonna be seeing those guys in the sidelines at various clubs for a very long time. And it's good. Because there are guys that, no matter who you supported, you respected, I think, as, as fans, right? You loved them as footballers. I mean, yeah. Vieira was everything I wanted to see in a midfielder. You know, I obviously had a bit of a, you know, fanboying with, with Gerard being a Liverpool fan. But Patrick Vieira, man, I mean, what a leader he was. Some of those Arsenal teams are the toughest teams to play against. Craig will tell you. I mean, obviously. He spat, spat and raised Ruddock's face, like, really just <laughs> big Logie right into his face. Keep keep the story going there, Craig. It gets really disgusting. Go t- say it. Say it. <laughs> oh, you, 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 I t- oh, yeah, yeah. When Razor took it off his face and, and licked it with his finger. It. It's not a visual medium. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically, Razor ate Patrick Vieira's loogie. Huh. Yeah, that's disgusting. He was trying to show him how tough he was. Did he get a superpower? Like, did he become Vieira for a few minutes at least? Did he speak French? <laughs> Yeah, did something special come from the transfer of saliva there? Uh, Razor was a classic. 
I can't remember if he got if the referee saw it. He got sent off. I mean, eventually he was suspended for it because it was on camera. But I can't remember. Razor was just happy that he uh, got him sent off. I could see Patrick Vieira having some success at Crystal Palace. You know, keeping them mid table, kicking on maybe a season or two, looking like they're flirting with uh, the Conference League, finishing the Conference League. I could see him staying at, <laughs> at Palace for four or five seasons, and then taking the Arsenal job. I don't know how long Klopp would stay at Liverpool and who, you know, w- what would stop Gerard from, from being the next guy there. Like if the Klopp's wheels totally years, fall right? off at Villa, if they're flirting with relegation, he gets fired. Maybe that deters Gerard being the next guy. But if, if Gerard's in the job and there's any hint that Klopp is going, it's him, right? Yeah, well, it seems that's the pathway, right? I mean, Klopp's going to do two more years. Just give it a couple of months. <sighs> Give it a couple months. Yeah, enjoy Come it, on. B. Come on, just just enjoy this. Two years, he could do some wonderful things for your club. I think so. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, I can't wait to see what uh, what you know available Rangers players he brings in January. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has uh, replaced him. Done well so far. Won his first game today. I saw, and Scott Arfield actually was. Uh, yeah, was he, that's right. Scotty Arfield scored. He scored. Um, also, I shared on the Footy Prime account. By the time you listen to this, Stephen Vittoria scored a cracker of a free kick. Did you see this yet? I did not it see was, that. It was ninety uh, sixth minute for his uh, his team, whose name I can't Morenance, and they were playing Gilles Vicente. Uh, they were at home in the ninety sixth minute, and he hit this perfect. Like this was a Javinko free kick, and at first it's like. The commentator says it, and I'd seen it in the tweet, so I knew it was Vittoria, but it made no sense. Like, who got injured? Who, what, what happened? But did he lose a bet? And this, it's not like they were, they were up 4-0 or something. And he steps up and he hits this absolute laser beam to the top left, right corner. It was great. Steven Vittoria. Well, watch out no for uh, Vittoria on free kicks in Canada. That's, uh, that's interesting. Maybe uh, he had had a few in training, and they said, all right, go ahead. Well, just the confidence of playing with Canada, that you can do, I can do anything. Uh, honestly, eh? A bunch of supermen. Canada, Canada is the steroid that Patrick Vieira's loogie was for Neil Ruddock. Yes. <laughs> right? I love that. Yeah, that's that's excellent. <laughs> um, how much? How long is it going to take Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to get his confidence back after that miss, which James Sharman tweeted, the miss of the century? No, I said one of the worst ever. He hit the, he hit the post. Yeah, it was it was awful, and that's a player you expect to put it in, but there's a lot of guys that would miss that. There's a few bad misses. Some just unlucky. Uh, no, it was it was pretty bad. There was another – talk about things like memories blending together. There was another crazy miss this weekend. On Saturday, uh, yeah, there was. Uh, oh Jesus, it was. It wasn't as bad as Aubameyang. Now, was it Brighton Leeds? I think it was. Oh, it yes. was. Um, it wasn't Mope. Yes. It was. Um, yeah, it was Mope. It was Neil Mope. Was it Mope? Neil it Mope, was. right? But it was. Yeah, yeah I think he missed about three. <coughs> he did. He <coughs> was. Like, and then it was rising at the time, right? It would have been a. It's a bit more tricky, I think. But the first look was like, wow, what a miss! Yeah, Neil Mope. Yeah, that was the biggest one. And then uh, the third was uh, Rudiger. Right. Oh, no, it wasn't. Jesus Christ, that would have been a freaking worldie. <laughs> that's, no, that's Greg Forrest's podium of misses. Let's let's keep the segment. We need more syllables, Charms. We're not talking about you, Charms. 
You're trying to get on the ball coming in that fast. You'd be just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> away from just me. Have you played in two years, Charms? Well, we, we oh, you were the no. you were the goalie. No. We played. Uh, no, we played the co-ed league. One soccer, the one soccer. Yeah, no, I was for the one goal. soccer team. Yeah, and then you didn't show up for the second half of the season. I was done. No, I had like yeah. one good game, and then it's like, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> Did you? Did two foot anybody? No, I was playing goal though. And I made a couple of saves. Sorry, I think goalie got injured, didn't he, or something? I forget now. Anyway, made some, uh, you know, some acrobatic, you know, uh, Aaron Ramsdale-esque saves. Oh, he had another beauty in that game as well. He did. He's a good goalkeeper. Every single time they play on Sunday, and Craig and I do the show, he's he's got some world-class save that he's just pulled off. Uh, I'm such a big fan of his. I've always been a fan of his, too. I can see why he just doesn't look, you know... The presence of some other goalkeepers that are in the Premier League, if you know what I mean. Like he's a little bit unorthodox. He's, I don't know. It just, it just seems like he's a a level below, but he's not. Right. He's always like laughing and smiling and stuff. He's got a real personality. It looks like right. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. It's not this like, this robotic creature that Schmeichel started you know he, he has real personality no I think he I think it's, it's been a long road for him and he's got this unbelievable opportunity and he's he hasn't let himself down or anybody else mm-hmm. it's been great Eddie Howe's tenure hasn't started very well uh, they're in real trouble Newcastle they're going down down well, down no they've got six points they're the only team in the Premier League not to have won a game they have six points after having played 13 uh, here's a fact for you. No team that has earned just six points from 13 has survived. So if they were to do so, and I believe they will. No team in this position has ever been bought by a bone sock merchant. <laughs> That's true as well. And they're going to be able to spend some money in January. Yeah, when Alan comes in January, they'll be just fine. But by that point, it could be too late. I mean, there's a lot of really bad teams, though, luckily. Maybe like Leeds, right? They're on the on the cusp of the drop zone. Yeah. They're actually playing quite well, just not getting results. But... Newcastle. I mean, I thought Newcastle actually—they're fun to watch now, at least. They're certainly, you know, the Eddie Howe way. They're they're pushing forward. They're attacking. John Joe Shelby looks reborn. Yeah, John right? Joe Shelby actually. I, Ramsdale stopped him twice. I think uh, mm-hmm. the, the one big save was against John Joe Shelby. So yeah, he's been reborn. John Joe reminds me of like it, like Dickio. Dicky. I mean, Dickio's got like eleven sons, but. If if I hadn't seen that, I haven't seen my pictures. Don't know Dickio's sons, but John Joe Shelby could be Danny Dickio's son. <laughs> I've never thought of that. Nor have I until this second. <laughs> mm. Liverpool four, Southampton nil. Meh. Oh, what a performance! Jota and Mohamed Salah. They might they might be two of the best players in the game right now. Unbelievable. Well, I think we agree that Salah, Salah is, right? But Jota is fast emerging. Is on form. On form. One of the top players in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. If, if you were to each, each month, if you did an on form 11, uh, I think Jota and, and Salah would be two of the first names on the team sheet. Well, forget them. What about Thiago, by the way? If he can just stay healthy, he's one of the top 10 players in the world. He's incredible. Jeez, that's unbelievable. He's yeah. incredible. I was w- wondering how things would go with him this season because he didn't really settle in last year. Well, he had injuries. It's like wherever he goes, Barcelona, Bayern, injuries, 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 injuries. When he stays healthy, he's yeah, he just... doesn't seem to last a long time, does he? Like have a stretch. No, like, exactly. Because he's fantastic. But unlike Gundogan, who always was injured and would walk back into the team, I feel like Thiago doesn't doesn't have that. And under Liverpool, he hasn't. In a perfect world, that he's in that that midfield with with Henderson and Fabinho, 
right? And then they did it this weekend, but it was so rare that you've seen that. I think it's happened like three or four times. Um, but yeah, he, where he sprays that ball around, and that goal he scored in the Champions League this week, that that one skipper, my God, incredible. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. And I think Liverpool, you know, people were very envious of Liverpool having just won the title to sign him. It seemed like, you know, if, if that was the, the piece they were adding to kick on and challenge the side, my God, there'd be no stopping them. But it didn't work out for him last year, and we'll see if it uh, if it does for the rest of the season. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has looked pretty good when he's been on. Hey, there's a player that you forget mm-hmm. is on Liverpool's books. If only okay. he could stay healthy. Yeah. I think the happiest people uh, were probably Southampton driving back, and it was only 4-0. I was thinking at one point in that first half, Craig, thinking, man, you know, once again, this team's going to be the one to you know, guarantee some interviews for you for the next few weeks, right? Whenever they get <laughs> beaten 9-0, yeah. you get the phone calls, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever it's 4 or 5-0 after a half an hour. <laughs> kind of old hat now though isn't it because what has there been four times now yeah, they're crazy. calling they're calling the other goalkeepers you, you've been relegated down the picking order they're calling yeah, the other guys the, yeah what the hell? yeah really budweiser what do they do a thing for uh messy sent all, all the goalkeepers uh, <laughs> a few bottles of beer a bottle with a number of that they conceded of is how many goals <laughs> 300 and something. i don't know how many goals yeah it would it was insane. insane. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be happy to have a bottle. Free beer. Imagine if you played him once and he didn't concede, and he didn't, or even if you played him two or three times, you didn't concede. Yeah, and you're not getting free beer. <laughs> Sucks. No, but it'd be, a, it's right? a great thing to tell the grandkids. Like it's one of those monumental achievement yeah but they go yeah my grandpa you got fuck all the chauffeur at least they got a ball <laughs> yeah maybe so when craig's telling his grandkids how you know he he saved more penalties at old trafford than peter schmeichel i haven't got any grandkids but I'm, that's what i'm gonna say when you do though yeah. one day one day buddy what do you think max allegri is telling the guys in the Juventus room is uh he's telling the old stories about how they used to win how they used to be good did they lose again now juve is just a, a shell they lost one nil at home to atalanta wow. they are eighth in the Serie wow. Eighth at the end of November. Mm-hmm. Six wins, three draws, five losses. Well, they won nine straight Skidettos, right? They did, until Pirlo came in and ruined it all. Have you watched the All or Nothing on Amazon? With Juve? It's on that last season, yeah. just I think it just dropped this month. I have not seen that, but I'll definitely watch it. So it's in the same cycle as the Leafs, right? They they do a few, you know, in mm-hmm. a calendar year or whatever. It's in that same cycle as the Leafs, and it is uh, it is very good. Uh, I've only watched the first episode so far, but uh, on point with all the other ones. And you can kind of see how it's it's building, you know, to set up Pirlo as the evolution of this famed club that's the season's going to go down in flames. And it was a pretty disastrous, you know, well, I don't know if disastrous is the right term either. I think in, in general, he was brought in at a time where they, were no, they weren't as good as the sides previous. They didn't have the budget. They weren't spending to win the Champions League. And they were just hoping that here's someone that was great in midfield and we're really lacking in the midfield right now. Maybe he can coach these guys to be better and we can challenge and give Ronaldo another trophy. <laughs> but it's nice to see that up close and personal. No, clearly Craig and I didn't watch you. Both, you no, both no, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> Did you guys know uh, Sir Frank Williams died? You might. You, you guys are racing fans. I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. 
Yeah, yeah, end of an era. It was uh, a legend. <clears throat> founder of Williams. It's a great documentary on him. I think BBC did it. Uh, might just be called Frank. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Not the nicest family man. He was. No, I've heard that. Yeah. Well, he didn't seem that he wasn't the most the warmest personality when you saw him interviewed, was he? Let's be honest. But no. uh, hey, listen, let's not speak badly of someone who's just died. He was uh, did a lot for Formula One and Williams, and you know, from Nigel Mansell to Ed and Senna to Damon Hill. Yeah, he had some great drivers in. Pretty good drivers. Lewis Hamilton said he was one of the kindest people had the, that I had the pleasure of meeting in sport. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, he lived for racing. He 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 absolutely the, you know loved Formula One. Well, he, and he got paralyzed for Christ's sakes. His nose grew about a foot. Let's not talk what? bad, Craig, about someone that's just died. <laughs> and, well, that's right. I don't know Frank Williams at all. Either no. Um, but at the end of the day, if you did know an asshole that died, he'd just be a dead asshole. That's a valid point. I know people become wonderful human beings in death often. often. Which I'm not sure should be the case. We're not saying that about Sir Frank, but I- not everyone though. Not everyone. I mean, like you know, the Saddam Husseins of the world, and the uh, you know, some of Bin Ladens, the the Adolf Hitlers. Generally speaking, they're not celebrated in, in death as being. You know what? He's a good family guy. <laughs> yeah, that's good right. Dad. You know, you can always find something good to you know look at, right? <laughs> something positive. When Malcolm Glazer died a couple of years ago now. I didn't see too many Man United blogs, you know, celebrating the great guy that he was. You don't read the underground business journals that would have praised the man. No, that's yeah, that's that's true. For all that's of true. the great ways yeah, that he exploited right. certain, you know, workforces and populations around the world to benefit his wealth. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Sunday night show again, Charms. It's great to have a guest. Hey, I enjoy it. It's good. Uh, like I said, I'll do it whenever I can. I didn't expect to do an hour with you guys with uh, the condition in which I feel. I'm going to go and, and drink. You're a trooper, man. You're a martyr. You're, you're sick. Yeah. Oh, you Just are. Just get through it. I'm going to eat a big bowl of Caldverde. I don't know what that is. Which is Portuguese potato and kale soup. It's, yeah. it's legendary. Bit of sausage in there. Mm. You'd love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did everyone uh we'll have uh, more guests in the future and we'll uh, get back in the tent and hopefully have five microphones this time <laughs> next time we get back in the tent with with dan wong to quote james Sharman, cheers for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.